Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. everybody. Welcome to Marianne Live. I'm Marianne Camarado. I always like that uh, little uh, disclaimer before the show comes on about how you th- should uh, contact your legal or medical or spiritual advisors, one that we didn't throw in there, <laughs> before you listen to anything we have to say here on Marianne Live. And I, I, I couldn't uh, stress that enough, but here's what came up for me. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to Marianne Live. We're so glad you're here. We hope you stay this hour. We've got a beautiful gift for you today. Matthew Fox is joining us talking about his book, A Way to God, Thomas Merton's Creation Spirituality Journey. Uh, but I was thinking about how do we um, connect? How do we make big decisions in our lives? What kind of consciousness do we bring when we contemplate anything? Do we slow down enough today in this intensely paced world just filled with so much complexity? You know, so little disclaimers like that. Every once in a while I stop and pause and I think, yes, who's speaking? What are they saying? And, and who the heck are these people, <laughs> you know? And, and should I consult my spiritual advisor before I listen to this program? I don't really know, but the good news is, we're going to be speaking with someone who's devoted their entire lives to the spiritual uh, component, the bridge between being human and accessing our spiritual selves, our spiritual understanding, spirituality in general, and I think it's a great place to start. One of the things we generally do at the top of the show here, though, is we first try and get present. Uh, one of the ways that I invite folks to do that is through the breath. Just noticing your body, where your breath is, your breath breathing you. Noticing the quality of that breath, which helps us get present. Um, And it's such a simple act, and it's just so potent and powerful at the same time. Just noticing where you're at with your breath so you can become present and receive the presence that our guest has to offer us today. Matthew Fox, if you are just joining us, is going to be with us this hour. A Way to God is the title of his new book, and it's We're Breathing In and Out, Coming Into Presence, Making Space for That. I would invite you to the second part of our practice we do at the top of the hour, is finding a portal of gratitude, shifting our perspective to align with the divine energy, I would say, of a grateful perspective, a grateful way to be in relationship in the world. And one of the ways that I would invite you to do that is considering who helped make it possible, who or what helped make it possible for you to do what you're doing right now. And uh, if you didn't have a very long list before you had that thought, I'm sure your list will grow. And the shift is just nothing less than stunning or 
or miraculous, really, when we start to think about that, really be with that. Who helped bring all the food that you've eaten in the last little while into your belly? The tens, hundreds of thousands of folks, the clothes on your back, right? The structure that you dwell in, the devices that you use to communicate, et cetera, et cetera. Our list is um, fairly replete, although it could be days long. We have an honorary sponsor here at Marion Live, the uh, Global Spectrum we'll address first, which is the OneWorldChildrensFund.org if you're online, uh, uniting people to improve the lives of children affected by poverty. At the national level, we are sponsored by the National Action Organization, committed to changing the way our culture values each other. They make this program possible. 100% of the proceeds goes to programming just like this out of the NAO. Check them out online, naction.org, if you are doing a multitasking thing uh, or bookmark it for later. And at the local level, we're here in California. That's where our mothership is. And uh, in Northern California, there's a place called the Open Secret Bookstore. Um, they've got the latest in meditation and revelation. Yeah, they're ringing our bells. That is the bell of Matthew Fox. Yay, he's going to be with us in just a minute here. Um, calling all spiritual beings, uh, all beings that are interested in spirituality. Yes, uh, as we go down our list of uh, things that we are grateful for here today, in this moment, wherever you find yourself. So just noticing now as we reflect on our breath, and our gratitude, and by the way, uh, Matthew Fox might characterize that as something that he calls a via positiva, right? And that, that's not an, always an easy field to be in relationship with. Some of us feel so burdened, particularly all the election speech going on here in the United States, a lot of via negativa coming up and through us. We're going to find out what that means in just a little bit. But just notice that you don't need to get anywhere. You don't need to force your breath. You don't need to force gratitude. We're just inviting you to bring your awareness to these possibilities, remembering that we do have agency. We have choice, and it's not always easy. And getting there by ourselves, by the way, is not always easy. So we're hoping to help you out. So let's now yet again gently turn our attention to our guest today, Matthew Fox, who's joining us on Marian Live who is uh, the author of over 30 books. Yeah, 30 books. Okay, let's just, we could talk about that for an hour. My goodness, he's a prolific writer. He's a preeminent scholar and popularizer of Western mysticism. Uh, Matthew became an Episcopal priest after being expelled from the Catholic Church by Cardinal Ratzinger, who later became Pope Benedict. The uh, sixth, seventh, I can't remember which, but he'll tell us. And he's joining us today to talk about his new book, and he wonders if we are full of awe and delight and amazement, uh, birthing creativity, passion, or justice. Um, are we aware of the four paths of creation, spirituality? Well, not to worry. We're going to be talking with Matthew about this this hour, among other things. Um, and the Trappist monk and social justice activist Thomas Merton, who's inspired his new book, and he's joining us this hour. Matthew, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for being with us today. Good to be with you, Mary. Yeah. It's a good place to be is on the right side of the ground, right, as they say? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. So, 
Um, Matthew, your book is so filled with, my goodness, delights that um, inspire and provoke thought. Um, let's talk a little bit about what inspired you to write this book um, that's really inspired by Thomas Merton and uh, several other folks, as a matter of fact. Well, last year was the centennial of Thomas Merton's birth, and um, I was invited by the Thomas Merton Center, where his papers are all kept in um, Louisville, Kentucky, because his monastery is near Louisville. Um, I was invited to give a talk on his centennial, and um, they asked me to talk about Thomas Merton and myself, because I had a, a correspondence with him that was very, um, very important in my own, my own uh, career. And um, I realized in researching that talk that there's a lot of material there, so I, um, I expanded it into this book. And part of the material is uh, around Meister Eckhart. Mm-hmm. I've written three books on Meister Eckhart, a great 14th century mystic. And it was Meister Eckhart who really converted Thomas Merton because Merton joined the Trappist Monastery, which was a very strict uh, religious order in the Celtic Church, in 1940. But in 1958, 18 years later, he had a conversion experience um, uh, corresponding with Dr. Suzuki, the Japanese philosopher who brought Zen to North America. And Suzuki told him to read Meister Eckhart, the one great Zen thinker of the West, he said. And um, so Merton started doing that with new eyes because of Suzuki's coaching. And um, Merton changed from being a very dualistic monk uh, for 18 years in the Augustinian uh, lineage, really, of guilt and shame, uh, to being a really open human being and a prophetic Christian, which he was the last 10 years of his life, because he lived only 10 years longer. He died in 1968 at 53 years of age. But um, he accomplished a whole lot in his life, and one of his accomplishments was to take a stand against the Vietnam War. He was the first religious figure in America to do that, mm-hmm. and, and he paid a severe price for that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, before we came on the air, you asked me, how did I know about Thomas Merton? And I'm wondering if there's anybody else out there listening who's, they're intrigued, they maybe have heard his name, but they don't know so much about him. Um, if you're like me, and had sort of a peripheral idea of the his profound um, impact in our understanding of spirituality and mysticism in this culture. Um, and I imagine there are a lot of folks who, who don't know, and then there's tons of fans I know who are tuning in today. So let's talk a little bit. We're going to drill down, obviously, into his the main tenets of his work, but um, why is he such a, a beloved figure, uh, and what drew you to him specifically and personally? Aside from that talk that you gave, well, um, he he was a a very accomplished artist and writer and poet. So, he, and of course, he was a very deep person because you don't survive in a in a rigorous uh, monastic uh, uh, tradition like that right. without without going deep. And so, he was able to articulate some of the deepest. Uh, Experiences we have in contemplation and spirituality, mm-hmm. and he did it with with uh, delightful language and um, images that uh, that stick with you. 
and he was a very uh, severe critic of culture and, and of religion also. Um, so he had this combination, both of being able to express the beauty of life, but also the tragedy and the, uh, the folly uh, as well. And he, he had a lot of courage. He wasn't afraid to, to take on uh, powers that be. And um, I apologize. We all understand that we have to multitask these days. Yeah, so what I'm hearing you say is, you know, aside from being a, a very... That shouldn't happen again. Yeah, um, then I had a personal relationship with him because as a young Dominican, I... Um, I went to my superiors and I said, my generation, this is the early 60s, I said, is going to be less interested in in religion, more interested in spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I said, uh, uh, we should send someone to study spirituality. And to make a long story short, I wrote Tom Smart about where to study. And he said, go to Paris, to the Institute Catholic in Paris. And so I did go there. And... Um, that's where I met my mentor, Pierre Chenu, a wonderful French Dominican, who named the creation spiritual tradition for me, and that's really been my life's work since to get that tradition um, well known and up and running again. So, like I say, all the trouble I've gotten in, I owe to Thomas Merton because if he hadn't told me to go to Paris, I wouldn't have discovered my mentor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. So, um, so he, he and I correspond. In fact, the title of the book comes from. A letter he, he wrote me where he said that we should, uh, people, this is what people are really looking to us for, it's the way to God, he said, and uh, we can get distracted with a lot of other other issues. So he encouraged me very much to do what I did. And uh, I uh, enjoyed writing this book because it was kind of like a circle going back to an early contact. Now, I'd read him when I was a teenager. I read his autobiography, Seven Story Mountain, which became a bestseller in America after it came out in the late 40s and um, it was a powerful book but it was quite dualistic mm. uh, as I say his real breakthrough came with with Meister Eckhart and uh, that's something else he and I had in common so so we had a lot in common actually our, our paths kind of overlapped and even though he died in 1968 uh, when I look back on his life and mine I see a lot of um, a lot of parallels. For example, my mentor, Pierre Chenu, he writes very glowingly about him. So he learned a lot from Chenu, too, especially about uh, history and um, a critical look at religion and culture. Mm -hmm. So he was, uh, he was very fond of Chenu, too. Let's pause on something you said here, which is the, the dualism or the dualistic idea. Um, so, so sort of entrenched in... Um, our religious culture or the vestiges of it and what are all what are our alternatives uh let's spell some of that out because in uh, creation spirituality is is not steeped in dualism yet it stems from there so let's see how this spell this out for folks well dualism is about an either or uh, approach to things so um augustine the fourth century theologian uh, defined um, spirit as whatever is not matter. So he separated spirit from matter. That's dual. Who, who was that guy? Saint Augustine. Saint Augustine. Yeah, it's been very influential. Naughty, naughty. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> also the one who came up with the idea of original sin, which uh, I wrote a book called Original Blessing, which is a re refutation of of that. 
and um, dualism would pit um, uh, male against female um, and matter against spirit. And uh, Christian spirituality does not begin there at all. Christian spirituality begins with what I call original blessing. It begins with the goodness of creation, which after all is 13.8 billion years old before humans came down the pike. And um, uh, we now know from science that all matter is related. And um, spirit is part of matter. Now, Augustine said spirit is whatever is not matter, but Aquinas, who was creation center in the 13th century, said spirit is the elan, the vitality in everything, including in a blade of grass or a horse or a tree. So that's melting dualism. That's the end of dualism, to think that way. So um, I think that patriarchy, by definition, is very dualistic, whereas uh, a more feminist philosophy tries to um, emphasize the web of and interconnectivity of all things, including uh, matter and spirit. So um, that's the Christian spiritual take mm. on those things. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a, a good differentiation to understand. So from there, though, you know, that's a sort of a philosophical um, overview. Let's let's talk about how that plays out in the unconscious sort of robotic way that we move around in the world thinking that we're being so identified with something that we don't really understand, meaning some people will say, well, yeah, I'm just not religious or I'm more spiritual, or people who are incredibly dogmatic uh, yet don't even understand what you were just saying. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's so much unconsciousness around the camps that we choose? Well, I think there's a lot of fear, and um, it's easier for people, I think, for all of us, really, to kind of live in our particular tribe and um, tribal thought pattern rather than to entertain uh, the possibility that um, truth comes from various sources. <coughs> and um, uh, we can live in a both-and uh, world and not an either-or world. Right, right, right. So this is a crisis then, isn't it, when people start trying to find God, which you say is the function of a person like yourself is to help usher or guide people along in that process, educate, um, act, be an activist for. The crisis is, is when we, at some, on some level, bump up against that first or that, that archetype or that, that uh, construct, and we go, whoa, maybe something else is true, right? Maybe there is something more than this or that or black or white or I'm bad or evil or whatever. Um, what happens during that crisis? Some people call it the dark night of the soul. Do you think that's apt here? Well, I think that dark night of the soul is very real. It's not always around that topic. But um, I think today our species is in a dark night. I mean, talk about the dark night of our species because we don't really know how we're going to pull out of this dive that we're in where we're destroying our planet, our, our home all around us. And, um, but what the mystics tell us is that the dark night is a time for learning uh, some deep wisdom and some um, lessons that are not learned any other way. Lessons like interdependence and compassion, these are learned in the dark night. They're not necessarily learned in the light of day uh, when we're busy arguing with each other, for example. <laughs> but um, Merton himself is so articulate, I think it might be appropriate to share um, 
one of his poems here. Yeah, when we get back after the break, let's do that. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. Right, he talks about this in, in... In great detail and in this poem. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Back in just a minute, everybody, with Matthew Fox. He's written the new book for us, A Way to God, Thomas Merton's Creation Spirituality Journey. When we return right here in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've We've ordered ordered No No More More Love Love Life Life Drama Drama for us. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back, everybody. Matthew Fox is joining us today. He's written a book, A Way to God, Thomas Merton's Creation, Spirituality, and Journey. Before the break, you said you were going to share a poem with us that would exemplify what we were talking about before we went to break. Yes, here's... um his poem uh, called First Lesson About Man. And uh, I think it, it's very rich and it's easy to, to comprehend. He says, uh, man begins in zoology. I think that's his uh, reference to evolution. He is the saddest animal. He drives a big red car called anxiety. <laughs> Whenever he goes to the phone to call joy, he gets the wrong number. Therefore, he likes weapons. He knows all guns by their right names. He drives a big black Cadillac called Death. Now he is putting anxiety into space. He flies his worries all around Venus, but it does him no good. 
man is the saddest animal. He begins in zoology and gets lost in his own bad moods. Mm. So I think that poem says a lot yeah. about the loss of joy yeah. and uh, anxiety and uh, are being the saddest of the animals. Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, uh, violence. And um, that's kind of, to me, that's kind of vintage Merton, that he, he can talk in language that, that grabs you, but he takes us to a deep place and yeah. he asks very deep questions. But here's one question he asked. He said he had a mystical experience one day um, at lunchtime in downtown Louisville, everyone running around going to their lunch hour, and he saw everyone, he saw the light in everyone, and he, the next day he wrote in his journal, how is it possible to tell everyone they're all walking around shining like the sun, as you went. Um, very mystical question. Mm. And he, so he puts these questions to us, some of which are very mystical, and some of which are very um, hard uh, and prophetic. They're, they're really asking, why are we so sad? That's what he's asking that in that uh, poem I just read, of course. Why are we the saddest of all the animals? Mm. And uh, it's an important question. Yeah. So there's a contemplation of that question is partly what you're offering us is some salve, some medicine, some some very well exactly that's what the the four paths represent and uh, I got these four paths from uh, Meister Eckhart himself so that's interesting too because Eckhart was so important to Merton but Merton really speaks to these same realities and you you've talked already a couple of times about contemplation and about the um, portal of gratitude well all that is what the via positiva is about that it is about the opening up of awe and wonder and what it does to us which is to um, let loose um, our sense of reverence and gratitude and uh, here's Merton wrote about contemplation he identifies contemplation with the, the via positiva or um, uh, what he calls spiritual wonder he says Contemplation is the highest expression of man's intellectual and spiritual life. It is that life itself, fully awake, fully active, fully aware that it is alive. It is spiritual wonder. It is spontaneous awe, the sacredness of life, of being. It is gratitude for life, for awareness, and for living. So he really lives that, and he, he lived in a in a hermitage on the monastery grounds because he wanted to be closer to nature although they had a big property with a lot of land and trees and all but he writes eloquently about the experience of the he says every blade of grass is an angel <laughs> and uh, he has a, a lot of mystical uh, experience with uh, with nature whether it's the trees or the grass or the, the animals the silence of the night he, he writes about that in very eloquent terms he says, the, the silence of the night is my bride. Mm. And um, uh, so he's, he's definitely praising. Uh, he's in this mood often of praising of the sacredness of creation and of nature. And, of course, that's so important today, isn't it, with the ecological Absolutely. peril that we face. It's a question of whether we see nature as sacred or not. Right. And just if you're just joining us on Marian Live, we're uh, talking with Matthew Fox right now about his new book, Away to God, and we're looking at creation spirituality and the four uh, pillars uh, within that, the four paths of creation spirituality. 
and which include via positiva, via negativa, uh, via transformativa, and via create, creativa. Um, a question I have before we go too much further is that um, how lovely it is to be able to understand these uh, aspects, um, these, this way of being contemplative. Conjures a, something my mom said to me years ago. She said, "Oh, how nice!" I, I brought some big, one of the big questions to her, like, "What am I really doing here on the planet?" And she said, "You know, I don't have time to contemplate those kinds of questions. I'm busy trying to make a living." And it was almost like she was angry, and I could feel it. I was very young, maybe 16, but I'd like to speak to that and, and weave that in here somehow. That that we need this inquiry to be more than a luxury. This is a necessity, yeah, for us to, to thrive, to get through whatever is happening on the planet today. Can you speak to that? Absolutely, and, and we have to know what a spiritual journey is, and that's what these four paths help us to. They're like uh, signposts along the way. They help us to realize when we are entering a deeper space. So this level of the Via Positiva is a level of joy and gratitude and awe. Well, that's a very deep space. But so too is the Via Negativa, which is about silence and solitude, being able to um, to be with stillness uh, on the one hand, but it's also about grief and, and suffering. And to be able to let suffering be suffering and not just take a pill or or become addicted to anything, TV or food or drink or anything else, um, you know, to let life uh, pour over us. Sometimes it's very beautiful, sometimes it can be very painful. But uh, both the via positiva, the beauty, and the via negativa, the darkness, uh, has something to teach us. And uh, we're tempted to to run uh, or to, to uh, as I say, get addicted, which really to numb our deepest uh, feelings, even feelings of, of uh, pain and of nothingness. But the, but the mystics encourage us, and as you said earlier, the dark night of the soul, the mystics encourage us to stick around for those dark experiences because they too, just like beauty, uh, have a lot to teach us about divinity too. Divinity has a dark side. Uh, my stalker said, God is super essential darkness. No one can name and no one can understand. So there is that mystery to life and to the divine that um, sometimes uh, takes over. And uh, we want to stick around here. What it has to teach us. Yes, indeed. And and it seems like it just keeps calling, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's, it's like Eckhart says, we sink eternally from letting go to letting go into the one. So it's an eternal thing, just like you say. Yeah, it's not. Unfortunately, it's not just one. Not just one call or one of yeah. but that's how it is. It's, uh, we're always letting go. Yeah. That's a really interesting point, and uh, yeah, so we're we're getting the call, no matter how it's showing up. We we, we want to pick up and pick up, and it's an eternal call. So let's talk a little bit about this, uh, a little bit more about about via uh, creativa. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Well, once you've done the, the falling in love, that is the via positiva, and then the learning to let go, that is the via negativa, the next, next organic step is creativity. When you've learned to let go and to really care deeply, then you're ready to, to share, and that's creativity. And Thomas Merton was um, a, a deeply creative person. He not only 
and a poet, but he loved music. He would visit the jazz clubs in Louisville, whenever he got near Louisville. Really? Yeah, and they were in the, you know, the ghetto part of the town. This is the type of the early 60s. And to this day, there are old black men in Louisville who tell stories about when they were young men, and there was this white guy who showed up in wow. these clubs, and he, all he wanted to talk about was Zen Buddhism and jazz, they said. Hold that thought. We're going to be back for more about uh, Thomas Burton hanging out in the jazz clubs right here on the Mary Ham Live with Matthew Fox. Don't touch that dial back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No More Love Life Drama for Us. Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET. They've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 in car insurance? Well, this makes sense. Since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, we've got a, a gorgeous guest with us today, Matthew Fox. Away to God. Who doesn't want that? Look at, even if you hear the word God, there's something in us, something in all of us that we long for, that nothing, no thing, nothing can quench right except god whatever you want to call god the divine the way the source the one we know it we just don't always know how to find our way back home i guess i would say and and uh, matthew fox's book helps us understand uh, through thomas merton's experience and meister eckhart and his own unique blend of understanding creation spirituality and matthew you were breaking down for us before a component of uh, creation spirituality. We've discussed via positiva, how to care deeply, uh, via negativa, letting go, and then the natural birth creativity that comes forward next and via creativa. And then you said that this happened, uh, that Thomas Merton was an artist and hung out in jazz clubs and for, for, for all places. So you were just about to tell us that story. Well, yes, he was, he was doing that. And um, say they're interviewing some of these 80-something uh, black fellows now, because they were young men in the jazz scene, 
in Louisville in, in Merton's day in the 60s, mm-hmm. and they say how he would come in, and, and he was so different. First of all, he was white, and these were exclusively black clubs. And But he was sitting in the back, and he wanted to talk about um, Zen Buddhism and jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Merton also took up photography, and uh, he, he used that as a contemplative practice. Uh, while he was in the monastery, and that was very powerful to him. He also uh, did calligraphy. So he was a very um, well-rounded person. And of course, he had amazing correspondences. He corresponded with Henry Miller and with Pasternak and with um, uh, Rachel Carson. Uh, you know, when her book came out, Silent Spring, which has kind of launched the environmental movement, this is in 1962, she got fired immediately by her science department in academia. They said she was an hysterical woman worried about bunnies and trees. Mm-hmm. But he wrote, wrote her a letter, a three-page letter, and said, this is fabulous stuff. She, he said, because of your work, we're going to quit using DDT on the monastery farm. Mm-hmm. And he went on and on praising her and so mm-hmm. forth. So he was so um, alert to what was going on culturally, and he was very critical. For example, in his day, the big technological gee whiz factor was getting to the moon. And of course, uh, they got there in 1969, which was after he died. But he was critical of that, and so far as he said, look, he said, even ants can fly. He said, the real discovery that we have to make is um, the discovery of our inner selves and what makes us so violent and unhappy. And he said, if we can't solve this, we're just going to be carrying our troubles to 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 Venus and the moon and, and beyond. And, you know, I think about it. What if we had listened to him back then and we'd put some of the effort we put into research and science around getting to the moon and all that technology into uh, doing what he said. He said that um, we have to recover a human center and human spirit in the depth of our own being. What can we gain by sailing to the moon if we're not able to cross the abyss that separates us from ourselves? This is the most important of all voyages of discovery. Without it, all the rest are not only useless, but disastrous. So, um, you know, he raises a really deep spiritual questions, and he's not afraid to take on culture. Now, today, of course, the big gee whiz thing isn't getting to the moon. It's our cell phones and our... um, iPhones and everything and all these inventions that come out every every year. But notice, this fellow who murdered uh, 50 people in Orlando, he was on Facebook and he was tweeting uh, while he was murdering these people. So, and ISIS picks up every new gadget from Silicon Valley and employs it in their, in their work of evil. So technology is not going to save us. We have to go into this deeper arena that Merton names about the human condition, and we have to examine that, I think, if we're going to uh, get to the core here. We can't just be distracted by the latest technological gee whiz gadget because that's not, uh, that's not where, where our, our healing is going to be found. Right, so hence one of the next pillars, or the next one, via transformativa, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, about see, that. Yeah, but what he's saying then, no, what I'm saying is that creativity is not enough. Right. As wonderful as it is, it has to have a direction, and the direction is a direction of justice and compassion. Right. And that's the work of the Via Transformative, the right. struggle for justice. So, uh, the, the struggle for eco justice today, and, and getting out of denial about climate change. I was, uh, lecturing in Florida several months ago as part of a conference on, on the sea rising. 
in Florida, you know, the, the sea's already rising. There's yeah. six inches of water on the street, on the sidewalks in, in South Miami. But you have three major politicians, two presidential candidates at the time from Florida, plus the governor, were all in denial about climate change. And it's just unbelievable. So the scientists got up and led the conference off. He had maps of what Florida looks like today, what it will look like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now. You're just lopping off whole sections of Florida uh, with, 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 with each decade that goes along, given the way the sea is rising today. So um, it's really hard to believe that people can be in such complete denial, even in Florida, where where uh, the, the the water's already on the sidewalks, yes. so um, it shows the power of human rationalism to um, put us in a bubble of denial. But again, the mystics of Meister Eckert says God is the denial of denial. So in other words, if we're in denial, we know we're near divinity. Uh, divinity is nowhere to be found because truth is absent, and we're never going to deal with stuff if we can't face the truth. That's when we can get creative and do something about it. Mm-hmm. So I think all that's part of the via transformative of the struggle for justice, eco justice, or gender justice, or economic justice, or social justice, or racial justice, and all that is um, is is the face of the divine. So each of these four paths represent a face of the divine, and so we encounter the divine in each of these paths, mm-hmm. and certainly in our work for justice and healing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And uh, we think that you should be on uh, doing the news, Matthew. <laughs> we need the truth, yet, and we long for it, yet we keep, as you said, lapping up the denial. Uh, we're terrified, paralyzed, uh, feeling uh, impotent. Uh, I heard a man on the path yesterday, in a literal path, talk about how he felt an orphan in his own country. Unclear, unclear who he belongs to, what, what, what to choose, what to do, and and it is, you know, your your special offer is mixing contemplation and action, inviting us to become our uh, activists uh, in in a way of our soul, of our human nature, excavating, moving from the the uh, petitionary. A dualistic story where we have God outside, you have to help, I'm going to be this impotent victim and you have to come down and create a miracle for us, to the embodied divine beings that we that you say we are, that can take action, and part of that is educating ourselves, right? Moving, shifting, awakening, and um, uh, finding, as you say, a reliable connection uh, with the divine wisdom. So let's spend the rest of the program talking about how, what Merton and you and, and Eckhart say about how we can create this practice to rely when we get back right after these messages. Okay? Sound good? Sounds good. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. Don't worry. We're going to find that connection together right here on Marian Live. Back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. 
proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No More Love Life Drama for Us. MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarado is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about core certification, certificate of responsible relationships, www.marianlife.com, core certification, learning tools to attract, build, and sustain great relationships. Also sign up for Marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the Northern California area, www.marianlife.com. What does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both give great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors. And their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that. Because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. HealthyLife.net. The Positive Radio Network. It's not every day you get to talk to Matthew Fox. Okay, so I'm talking to Deer off during the breaks. <laughs> if I can remember what you guys need. <laughs> Here we go. We're so glad you're back. Yes, we were talking about um, mixing contemplation and action and, and how we can find a reliable connection with our divine wisdom. And, and Matthew, you were saying, well, then we need to address religious fanaticism. Let's, let's talk about that. Yes, um... Uh, Merton is very, very strong on that. He talks about the what he calls the the greatest um, orgy of idolatry the world has ever seen, and by that he 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 means the the marriage of what he calls religious zeal and political fanaticism. And uh, in this marriage, he says God becomes the status quo. And um, he talks about Hitler and about even the German monasteries. Um, often did not raise a voice against Hitler and how many um, uh, church-going uh, people, uh, Nazi generals and others, would go to church on a Sunday but then uh, carry on their their uh, other duties for the Nazis uh, the rest of the week. He says we preach the cross not as a cross of resistance but the cross of submission. And uh, this is something you referred to earlier when you talked about victim victimhood mm-hmm. and religion creating victims instead of uh, people who can stand up and uh, work their conscience and, um, and and resist and say no. So um, uh, he even talks about, he gave a sermon um, his last, uh, the second last Easter in his monastery and he talked about, uh, on Easter Sunday, he talked about the relig- uh, Christianity as a cult of the dead Christ. Of a wax corpse of Christ, even on and on, and uh, very strong wow. sermon. And goodness, that was Easter morning. I was wow. like, well, "What did he preach about on Good Friday?" Right. <laughs> right. But but you mentioned earlier about yeah, this marriage of contemplation and action. That's really what these four paths are about. And uh, 
it was Rabbi Heschel who said, we, we are the hands of God's compassion. So the, so the God depends on us to carry on the work of compassion on the earth. And that's not only the Jewish teaching then from Rabbi Heschel, but that's very much Jesus' teaching too from the same tradition when he says, um, be compassionate as your creator in heaven is compassionate. And, and it, it's, the, it's also Buddhism. Um, the Dalai Lama says we can do away with all religion, but we can't do away with compassion. Compassion is my religion. So compassion is, is really a, a universal invitation. Um, uh, Muhammad in, in the Quran, the number one name for divinity by far is Allah, the compassionate one. So there's a, an amazing consensus in all spiritual traditions that we have to call in this mammal brain more, which is our, our, our brain of compassion and kinship, and to tame that reptilian brain that is uh, so dominant and so evident and seems to be running things still. And, um, of course, you calm the reptilian brain through meditation and through uh, the via negativa, through silence, and letting go and just kind of and breathing and like you began this program because you know the, the reptilian brain runs our respiratory system and I think one, that's one reason why so much meditation is about paying attention to your breath that's kind of saying nice crocodile brain nice crocodile brain cool down now and, and we're going to be chill out and we're going to be still and contemplative and then it's out of that sense of contemplation and being that our true action should come on action should come from non-action it should come from our being not just from reaction which is the reptilian brain it's an action reaction um, um, matter of dealing with things but we have to go deeper than that to that level of being and stillness contemplation yes and, and, and even I would add to that you know moving up into that frontal cortex is where we get to have lots of choices where we have agency because even in the mammalian brain right there's that what Jeanette Perry calls the, the little puppy the one who feels uh, that it needs to be calmed and if it learns that what calms it is a power outside of themselves we lose that connection that's inside of ourselves the maturity right that that connection to um, the divine that is inside of us and let's let's end on that note shall we that how do we practice, develop this practice? What are some ways that you can help support us in developing this, this ongoing, reliable connection to the divine that's inside of us all? Well, again, um, uh, meditation, chanting, uh, mantras. Um, there's a beautiful short poem by uh, Merton on what the Psalms do for him. Of course, the Psalms are from the wisdom literature of Israel, which is the tradition historical Jesus comes from, that wisdom tradition. But let me share with you this short poem, but it says a lot. When Psalms surprise me with their music, he writes, and the antiphons turn to rum. An antiphon is a prayer you throw in the middle when you're doing the Psalms. That's a beautiful line. Antiphons turn to rum. The spirit sings. The bottom drops out of my soul. And from the center of my cellar, love Louder than thunder opens a heave of naked air. It's a beautiful passage about how when we pray, the bottom drops out of the soul. Mm. And, and so divinity is below. It's in the cellar. He says, from the center of my cellar. So divinity is below. It's not just above. Uh, from the center of my cellar, love, louder than thunder, opens a heave of naked air. I think it's a beautiful way of naming the... Um, 
the experience of of prayer when we're praising, whether we're praising by singing the psalms or whether you're praising by being in nature, uh, walking in nature, even meditating on a on a leaf. Or How about dancing? Dancing, absolutely. Singing, music, the art, art, uh, all experiences of beauty are that way that they trigger the the bottom dropping out of our souls. That's the mystic in us. Uh, my striker says uh, the human soul is ineffable like God is. So we have to make that journey down into the depths of our being and, and release what's there. And a lot of it is, is very, very beautiful. And um, uh, good music and, and art in many forms releases that, including literature, of course, um, and uh, film and, and all the arts. Are, I've already, I tell my students there's only two languages for mystical experience. One is silence. The other is art. Beautiful. And Eckhart knew, or rather, uh, well, Eckhart knew that, but so did Thomas, uh, so did Thomas Merton. Well, we are here. We made it to the top of the hour, and we're, we're still wanting more. Uh, Matthew, leave us with something as we, we say so long to you. We're so grateful you joined us today. <laughs> well, I'll just leave you with the question that Merton had. Uh, how do we tell people we're all walking around shining like the sun? And, and another way of saying that, how do we tell people that the Buddha nature, the, the Christ, you know, the cosmic Christ is living in all of us? Um, that's, that's the question, and we have to find it, and we have to uh, remind ourselves of this on a regular basis. Beautiful. Well, thank you for helping remind us all, and we will be getting a copy of your book, Everybody's Nodding. Yes, The Way to God, Thomas Merton's Creation Spiritual Journey. Matthew Fox, thanks for being with us. Please come back and join us again. Thank you very much, Marianne. And people can go to my webpage, MatthewFox.org, and learn more. Beautiful. And uh, if you've forgotten any of that, you can go to MarianneLive.com, and we will direct you uh, to Matthew's work again and again. Thanks again, Matthew. Everybody sit tight. We will be back for our wrap right after these messages. Everybody, I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado, and I'm David Raynal. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships, and how self inquiry can help. I mean, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single, and over 50% end in divorce? Yet. We spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, The Great Relationships Begin Within, Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Live and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself the gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. To be a good father is the most important job in a man's life. But it doesn't have to be hard. Play catch. Go to a park or visit a zoo. Help your child with their homework. Sit down together for dinner. Ask them how their day was. Things get busy, and sometimes we all fall short. But the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one eight seven seven four dad 411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? Hmm. 
Hmm, how about this? The Container Store, the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. And a good reminder to send out some love to everybody out there struggling uh, in the California area with all the fires. Uh, thank God for those of you who are safe and blessings to those of you who are struggling to relocate and uh, find your way. So our prayers go out to all of you. Um, thank you again, Matthew Fox, for joining us here on Marianne Live. Go get a copy of Way to God, Thomas Merton's Creation Spirituality Journey. What a beautiful, beautiful compilation of uh, a lifetime of work Matthew Fox has done. Uh, join us next time here on Marianne Live. Kara uh, Bradley is going to be here. On the Verge is the title of her book, Wake Up, Show Up, and Shine. That's what we're going to be talking about together uh, next time we are back together. Until then, go do something for somebody else. Don't let them know you did it. Make it part of your daily practice. Sending you love and blessings. Until next time, everyone, take good care. <laughs>